what every child needs to be taught. Just turning your Bibles to, you know, the book of Proverbs. We're going to be bouncing all over the book of Proverbs this morning. And I just want to begin by saying that parenting is a sacred responsibility entrusted to us by God. It really is. Uh, it can also be very scary. <laughs> if you're a parent, if you've been a parent, you know you know how scary it is. What an awesome responsibility. I remember when, when our first child was born, you know, held that baby, you know, Samuel in my arms, and I said, wow, wow, we're going to be responsible to teach this child uh, and to train up this child in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. What an awesome responsibility. It's scary. And if you're a parent now with smaller children, you, I'm sure you feel that responsibility and that fear from time to time. Now, I certainly don't claim to be a great example or authority when it comes to parenting. Um, I'll be perfectly transparent with you. I've made many mistakes through the years. But by the grace of God, and I say that with all my heart, but by the grace of God, Cindy and I have raised four children, and now they're raising families of their own. And uh, it's our hope and prayer that they will raise their children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord, and I believe they are. Parenting is grounded in both the Old and the New Testament. I want you to listen to these passages. First, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 7. This is what Moses spoke to the children of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Now notice that you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in the home in the house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And and that's talking about the totality of life from the very moment you get up to the moment you go to bed. You know, we are to be instructing, teaching our children the things of God. And then Paul, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, and that can be translated correctly, parents, including the moms, of course. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction, that's teaching, instruction of the Lord. Now, if you look at these two passages of scriptures, it is clear that parenting involves teaching. Uh, we are to teach them diligently. We are to bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. It is also clear who is to do the teaching and where it is to take place. Parents are to teach their children, and the home is the primary place for Christian instruction. Now the question is, where can Christians go in the Bible and find the wisdom and the counsel necessary to teach our children. Where, where can we go? Just open your books, Bibles, right here to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is the God-given, divinely inspired manual for raising 
children. In this awesome book, King Solomon instructs his own son how to live his life to the fullest. Listen to what he says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. He says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. He doesn't leave the wife out either. And forsake not the mother's teaching. Now, what Solomon teaches his son in Proverbs is what all parents should be teaching their sons and daughters today. Now, what are we to teach them? So what I want us to do, I want us to just make our way through the book of Proverbs. I want us to look at many of these Proverbs, and I want us to see what Solomon says is important. Okay, the wisest man to ever live, other than the Lord Jesus Christ, what he said we should teach our children. First, we need to teach our children the gospel. We need to teach our children the gospel. Well, see, there's something that every parent needs to know about their child. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15 says, Folly, or foolishness, is bound up in the heart of a child. Now, the problem is, sometimes we never grow out of that, do we? <laughs> we never grow out of that. Because not only are children, uh, not only do they have folly bound up in their heart, but it seems like a lot of adults as well. But folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Every child is born into this world a sinner in need of salvation. You know, three weeks ago, our 12th grandchild, Beckham, came into this world. And you know, he's a precious gift from God. But I want to tell you something about little Beckham. Little Beckham is a sinner in need of salvation. And when I held him for the very first time, you know, that did come to my mind. What a precious gift from God. But this precious little gift is also a sinner in need of God's redemption. And it's the responsibility of his parents to make sure he comes to understand the gospel. And also, to some degree, it is the responsibility of Cindy and me to help him understand and come to understand Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. As Christian parents, it's not just... Your responsibility to give food, clothing, and shelter to your children, but also the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's a tragedy that so many Christian parents today are so busy, and and we see it wherever we look, so busy giving them things, giving them stuff, giving them toys, that they neglect to give them the most important gift of all. And we know that that is Jesus. Say that with me, Jesus. Isn't that the most important gift you can ever... Isn't that the greatest legacy, the greatest inheritance that you can leave your children? Jesus. And as parents, we need to teach our children, we need to teach our kids that God is a holy God and He must judge sin. Kids need to understand that. We need to teach our kids that they're sinners, born into this world, separated from God. We need to teach our children that they can be reconciled to God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ if they repent of their sins and if they cast themselves on the mercy and the grace of God and trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Parents, your first responsibility is to teach your children the gospel. Teach them how much they need a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Please don't advocate, don't advocate 
that responsibility to anyone. Not to the pastor, not to the youth minister, not to the deacon, not to the Sunday school teacher, not to the Awana worker. Don't advocate that responsibility to anyone. It is your responsibility to do that. And you know, nothing is more thrilling than to be able to share your faith with your your children and then ultimately lead your child to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, one of my favorite preachers is um, uh, the late Dr. Adrian Rogers. And I remember listening um, to a sermon that he preached years ago, sharing about when his first son was born. And Dr. Rogers said that he would go into the nursery and uh, very quietly he would share the gospel with his little infant son. He would very quietly preach the gospel to him while the little tot was sleeping. And he would say things like, you know, God loves you so much. And mom and dad loves you so much. But we want you to know that you're a sinner. But we want you to know the good news that Jesus Christ came into this world and he died on the cross and he rose again from the dead that you might be saved. And if you just put your trust in Jesus, he will give you eternal life. One day his wife walked down on him when he was preaching to his little infant son in the crib. And she said to him, Adrian, what in the world are you doing? He doesn't understand a word that you're saying. He said, I know. He said, but I don't want there ever to be a time when I didn't share the gospel with my boy. I don't want there to ever be a time that I didn't share the gospel with my son. Teach your child the gospel. The gospel must be central in every Christian home. It must be central. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground. Is sinking sand. And my friend, if Christ, if not, if He's not central in your home, then you're just standing on sinking sand. So we need to teach our children the gospel. Secondly, we need to teach our children to believe the Word of God. To believe the Word of God. Listen to Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. Where does God's word come from? From the mouth of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And then Proverbs 3.13, Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. Parents, teach your children the word of God. Teach them where the Bible comes from. Teach them, as Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And then, as Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, no prophecy, that is no prophecy of Scripture, was ever produced by the will of man. It doesn't come from men, ultimately. But men spoke as they were moved or as they were carried alone by the Holy Spirit. In other words, as men of God wrote down the Scriptures, they were, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to put down just what God wanted to be written. 
Teach them that the Bible is God's book. Teach them that God created this world in six days. Teach them that. Teach them that God destroyed the world by a flood, but saved Noah and his family from destruction. Teach them that the walls of Jericho did fall down. Teach them that Moses parted the Red Sea. Teach them that Jesus was born of a virgin. Teach them that he died on the cross for sinners and rose again. Teach them that there is no other salvation except in Jesus Christ. Teach them that Jesus is coming again and teach them that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And most importantly, show them how much you value the Word of God. You say, well, how can I do that? Well, let them see you reading the Bible early in the morning. Let them see you having your own devotion and prayer time. Let them see you leading family devotions. And if, and if you aren't having family devotions, why not? They need to see that and they need to hear the Word of God. And then let them see how the Word of God has changed your life. What a difference it has made in your life. Teach your children to build their lives on the solid rock of the Word of God. You know, as a college student, I remember hearing a sermon when I was, when Cindy and I were in college, and the preacher was Pastor Jack Howes. Uh, he was preaching in, in chapel there at Columbia Bible College. Now, I wasn't a, a big fan of Jack Howes for many reasons, but I'll never forget what he said that day. And he made a tremendous impact on my life, what he said that day. He said that when he was a small boy, his mother said to him, she said, Jack, one day you're going to be grown up and you're going to be leaving home and, and you're going to be going off to college. And Jack, you might have an ungodly professor, an ungodly teacher who will be teaching you. And he might put in his hand the Bible. And he might say, this book is just a human book. It's filled with errors. It's antiquated. It's out of date. It's not to be believed. It's not to be taken seriously. And Pastor Howell said, she looked at him straight in the eye and raised her voice and said, Boy, don't believe a word he says. The Bible is the Word of God. She said, go get the Bible. And little Jack went and got the Bible. And she said, hold it up. The Bible is the Word of God. Say that with me. The Bible is the Word of God. And little Jack would say, the Bible is the Word of God. She said, don't ever forget that. Amen. Say, parents, you might not realize that you need to. You know, there are going to be people out there in the world who will try their best to destroy your child's faith. You know, there will be, there will be those out there who, who will try to undermine the Bible and, and to get them not to trust God and His Word. And parents, it is your job to keep that from happening. And the only way it's going to happen is by giving them that foundation at home, the Word of God. And listen, the, the, the church can help, the pastor can help, the, the youth minister can help, the Awana teachers can help, but we can't take your place. 
We can't take your place. You've got to teach them the word of God because they're going to face that. They're going to face it out there in life some way, somehow. I'm thankful that there, there are colleges like Cedarville College in Cedarville, Ohio, where the word of God is going to be taught, but that's not true in, in most of our colleges and even in some of our Christian colleges. It's not taught like that. And we're to give them the foundation of the Word of God. Thirdly, teach them the value of correction. Teach them the value of correction. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 13 said, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of His reproof. Parents, teach your children to value correction. Why? Because it's good for them. <laughs> you know, they might not understand it... Um, at first, they might not understand it at the time, but it is good for them. When our children were young, um, Cindy did the great majority of the discipline. I was out there doing what pastors do. <laughs> and, you know, Cindy never told the kids, wait till your father gets home. No, she took care of the matter herself, and I'm very thankful for that. If the kids uh, acted out in the grocery store, they knew what was waiting for them when they got home. Uh, she would line them up in the hallway and uh, to wait their turn to endure the wrath of mommy. <laughs> and her instrument of correction, I, I wish, I thought, I thought I saw it somewhere in the house and packed away. But we couldn't find it. But her instrument of correction was a yardstick that over the years had been broken several times and reduced to the side of a paint paddle. Okay? <laughs> but, but the size didn't matter. <laughs> the important thing was the authority behind it. Cindy will never forget the last time she spanked Samuel, 11 years old, for doing something and she brought him in the bathroom, was going to spank him, brought out that little broken paddle, and both of them got tickled, and that ended it, you know, and I think that was the last time he ever got spanked. You know, spanking is frowned on today. Seems like time out is the going thing. Uh, we're told by the experts that spanking will damage a child's emotional and psychological health, but that's not what the Bible teaches. It's not what the Bible teaches. Listen to these verses, Proverbs thirteen twenty four. Proverbs thirteen twenty four. Whoever spares the rod hates the child, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs twenty three thirteen and fourteen. Do not withhold discipline from your child. If you strike him with the rod, guess what? He's not going to die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. And I think it's talking about death, premature death. Just think about all the, all the prisoners now, even those on death row. I, 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 I would just bet that most of them never got correction when they were growing up. Never got discipline at all. Proverbs 29, verse 15, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame on his mother. Proverbs 29, 17, Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Listen, parents, it's not going to 
It's not going to hurt them. <laughs> it's going to help them. Pastor Tony Evans tells a story about a little boy that was with his mother in the mall around Christmas time. I think I've told this story. Probably a third of you have heard it. Probably won't remember it. But, you know, usually you remember the stories, don't you? But he was with his mother uh, in the mall around Christmas time. And he was on one of those rides, you know. And the mother was telling him to get off. It was time to go home. And this little fellow was defiant. I mean, he was just defiant. He refused time after time to get off the ride. Well, it so happened that Santa was in the area at the time. And he saw what was happening. And he calmly went over to the little boy. And he whispered something in his ear. And immediately the little tyke just jumped off the ride and just ran over to his mother. And of course the mother was puzzled and curious. So she walked over to Santa and she said to him, Well, what did you say to him to get him off that ride? Santa said, I told him that if he didn't get down right now, he's not going to be able to sit down for three days. You know, the Bible says that spanking done in the right way is beneficial to the well-being of a child. It must be done in love, not in the heat of the moment, never in anger, and always with an explanation of why the child is being spanked. But teach them to value correction. Fourthly, teach them to marry the right person. Man, I can't overstate that. Teach them to marry the right person. Proverbs has a lot to say about the kind of wife a son should look for to marry. Proverbs 12 verse 4 says, An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like the rottenness in his bones. Proverbs 18.22 says, He that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 21.9 says, It is better to live in a corner of a household than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Heard someone say once, Parents, don't let your, harm, your child's hormones make the most important decision in his life. And I like that. You've got to be hands-on. You've got to be proactive when it comes to marriage. Speak truth in that child's life about the person, the kind of person, the kind of wife, the kind of husband that they need to spend their life with. A mistake here has lasting consequences. You know, the Bible says, marry only in the Lord. And what does that mean? Marry only in the Lord. Well, it means to marry only a Christian, but it doesn't mean just when someone says, I'm a Christian. Any jerk can say, I'm a Christian. You know, that's not what it means. It's talking about someone who lives the life that you're able to observe it. There's the fruit of a changed life in that person. The evidence that they know Christ, not just saying it, but living it. See, in Proverbs, King Solomon didn't hesitate to speak about the kind of wife he wanted his son to marry. 
he gave specific counsel, specific counsel, and so should you as parents. Choosing a mate is the most important decision in life. Only second to trusting Jesus Christ as personal Savior. If you mess up here, you've really messed up. So teach your child to marry the right person. And you do your job, you know, it's up to them to do their job. And then fifth, teach them the danger of sexual immorality. Teach them the danger of sexual immorality. Proverbs has a lot to say about the danger of sexual sin. Proverbs 6.32 says, He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. And as parents, we need to speak very openly to our children about how destructive sexual sin is to a person's physical, mental, and spiritual health. Years ago, I saw this cartoon in Christianity Today magazine. It was of a grandfather warning his grandson about the dangers of sexual sin. In the cartoon, the grandfather is sitting in his easy chair, and the grandson walks over to him and he says, Granddad, what did you wear for safe sex in your day? And the grandfather lifted his hand and he said, The wedding ring. A wedding ring. Well, see, that's God's protection. That's God's protection. Listen to Proverbs chapter 5, verse 3 through 8. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Notice what Solomon is saying to his sons. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. What's the warning? Keep away from sexual sin. Now, in Solomon's day, you had to go looking for it. Oh, now it's just a computer. Click of a mouse. You know, let, let me just encourage you parents. You better know what your kids are doing online. You better know what they're doing online. You better understand the kind of text that they're receiving. You, you need to know that. You need to be hands-on. You need to be proactive. Because there's a lot of filth out there. It really is. And then six. Teach them the danger of alcohol. Teach them the danger of alcohol. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about alcohol. You know why? Because it's a danger. You know, when the Bible speaks over and over about a subject, there's a reason for it. It's dangerous. Alcohol is habit-forming. It's an addictive drug. It is ruining the lives of people every day and destroying homes everywhere. And if you don't think that alcohol is a danger... Then ask the wife and the child who's been abused by an alcoholic father. They'll tell you. Ask the parent whose son or daughter has been killed by a drunk driver, and you don't have to be really drunk to be intoxicated behind the wheel. If you don't think alcohol is a real danger, 
then go to Change Lives Ministry with me or Hannah House and hear the testimony of men and women whose lives, marriages, and relationships had been destroyed by alcohol. Teach your children that if you never take the first drink, you'll never have a problem with alcohol. Teach them the danger. There was an old man in my church in Alkalu. His name was Alice. I had never, I'd never heard of a man named Alice. His name was Alice Bozeman. Our kids used to love to go around to visit with him because he was a sawyer in the mill. Probably never made more than minimum wage in the 50s and 60s and early 70s. Uh, he was missing about three fingers on both hands from the saw. But anyway, um, he told me that he never took a drink until he was 30 years old. Never had taken a drink until he was 30 years old. He married a girl whose father was a bootlegger, made liquor. And he encouraged him to take a drink. And he told me that when he took the first drink, he was hooked. He loved it. Now, you might disagree with that. I'm just telling you what comes from the mouth of an alcoholic. He said when he took the first drink, he loved it, and he was hooked. Right then and there, he was a slave to alcohol, he said. He said for the first 40 years of marriage, he drank every day. When he got paid at the meal, the first thing he did, the very first thing he did, he went down to the liquor store and paid off his liquor bill, and then he gave his wife what was left over for food and clothes. He was saved when he was in his late 70s. I love to hear his testimony. He said he got down on his knees and asked God to take the taste of liquor away. He said, God, take it away. And God did. And he never drank again. And his wife told me many times, he said, she told me many times that their last years together were the best years of their life because he was sober. He was sober. People love to defend alcohol, make their excuses why it's okay to drink, and churches no longer stand against it, and even Christian colleges today are permitting it among their faculty and students. But the Word of God doesn't. Proverbs 20 verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker. You know what? that It will mock you. It will mock you. Wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Is not wise. Number five. Teach your children to give generously to the Lord. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. What Proverbs is saying is teach your children to be generous, faithful, cheerful, regular givers. When they're young, teach them to tithe their allowance if they get one. Teach them to tithe their paycheck when they get their first job. Teach them that money ultimately comes from the Lord. Teach them that there is no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. All success comes from the hand of God. Teach them. That God deserves our best, not our leftovers. Teach them that you can't outgive God because He gave us His best, His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to give Him our best. Teach them how to give. 
Let them see you drop that envelope in the collection plate Sunday after Sunday. Teach them where your offerings are going. It's going to support the ministry of the church to advance God's kingdom to support our missionaries who are taking the gospel around the world. Teach them to be generous givers. And then eighthly, teach them to tell the truth, to be upright, honest, a man, a woman of integrity. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Teach your children it's always right to tell the truth. Teach them that one lie will lead to another. Teach them that their sin will find them out. Teach them there's only one remedy for a lie, and that's confession. Teach them that confession is good for the soul. Teach them to tell the truth. And then teach them to respect authority. Teach them to respect authority. Where does it begin? Well, it begins in the home, doesn't it? Listen to Proverbs 23 Verse 22, listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. If you don't teach your children to obey your authority, they aren't going to obey anybody's authority. Not the boss at work, not the police, not the judge, nobody. If you don't teach your child to obey authority, the outcome is just not going to be good. It's just not going to be good. Ray Stedman Um, tells about a report that he saw in the Minnesota Crime Commission years ago, which was dealing dealing with the problem of rising crime rates there in Minnesota. Uh, Now, this was a purely secular body, but what they came up with was rather striking and frightening. This is what it said. Every baby starts life as a little savage. (laughs) He is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmates, toys, his uncle's watch. Deny him these once, and he sees with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous uh, were were he not so helpless. He is dirty. He had no morals. No knowledge, no skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, all children are born delinquent. If permitted to continue in the self-centered world of his infancy, given free reign to his impulsive actions to satisfy his wants, every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, or a rapist. Now take it for whatever it's worth. But the hard truth is, if you don't teach your children that there's a right and a wrong, good and evil, if you don't teach them to respect and obey authority, they won't do it. Proverbs sets before us God's way of parenting. You know, child raising is not easy. As I mentioned, it's scary. It really is. But this is where God comes through. God gives us the encouragement and the assurance that he will, do, he will guide us and He will direct us in doing what He has called us to do as parents. I want to close with Proverbs 3, verse 5. 
Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will make straight your path. That's what God's called us to do. To trust Him. You know, don't go according to what you think. Go according to what this Word says. And what God thinks. Acknowledge God in his all, all His ways. Put Him first in your life. And He's going to guide our footsteps as we raise that next generation of children that we hope that will impact the church and the world today. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for its truth. Lord, I just do pray, Heavenly Father, that, that You will give us the grace, and You will, to raise up our children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Lord, give us that wisdom that Proverbs gives to be the parents, not, not the best friends, not the buddies, but the parents that um, we need to be in the home. And then as grandparents, Lord, help us to, to be that support as well. Help us to impact our grandchildren for you as we have time with them. And dear Lord, we'll give you the praise and the glory for it all. In Jesus' name, we do ask it all. Amen.